Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Looking back on the week that was and forward to the week ahead, it's the Fantasy Football Hustle. Waiver wire, trades, roster management. To win in fantasy football, you must remember one simple rule. Never get out hustled. It's the Fantasy Football Hustle. Here are your hosts, Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. All across the fantasy universe, what is going on, everybody? It is time for the Fantasy Football Hustle, powered by our friends at Pro Football Focus. How's it going, folks? Brian Drake from FightingChanceFantasy.com. Joined, as always, by my main man, the analytical assassin, Dwayne McFarland, PFF.com. Got a feeling you're going to be hearing a little more of that as the next few weeks go on. Just, uh, you know, I don't know, making predictions, thinking things out loud. Wait, what's up, buddy? How are you? Dude, I'm doing awesome. We are on the eve of vacation. So tomorrow morning, family and I were heading out for Destin. So look at you. Uh, it's it's good good to be on, man. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe next week we can do a show from the beach or something. We'll, we'll see how things are going. Yeah, hey, you're going to the beach. We know what's going to be happening there. You're going to be popping tops. You're going to be relaxing. You're going to be checking out the latest uh, swimwear fashions uh, on the, the beach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're here. It's the Fantasy Football Hustle to get you ready for draft season. we got a couple of news and notes off the top, and we're going to do our projection series. Keep on rolling. You know, we've got three teams tonight. We've got the Steelers, the Eagles, and the Seattle Seahawks. So three teams loaded loaded i say with fantasy goodness and plus we're talking eagles so the, you know this show will be three and a half hours so so strap in and crack a beer with us but uh if you're hanging out on the weekend you're getting ready for your fantasy draft you got to go over to pff.com not only to read the good stuff from Dwayne and his utilization report but check out the college football preview check out the fantasy draft kit use our promo code hustle Save 25%. Hell, if you go over there, they got promo codes for 40% off. You know, I'm taking money out of our own pocket right now, Dwayne. I'm trying to save everyone else some cash. But <laughs> what can you do? So are you PFF. saving me cash? Com. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, they'll save us all some cash. Yeah, we, we <laughs> uh, could use it now. But so let's get off uh, to a fiery start here. News broke today that Michael Thomas, the great wide receiver of the New Orleans Saints, just had ankle surgery. Now, I believe this is his second ankle surgery and could miss, due to some reports, up to six weeks of the season. This, again, after only playing seven games last year in what, for fantasy owners, was a totally lost season. Now you might not see him till the end of October. The Saints, by the way, have a week six bye. So crushing, crushing for a guy who had an ADP of wide receiver eight going off the board early third round. Lot to unpack here, Mr. McFarland. What this does to the Saints offense, what this does to Alvin Kamara. Does this push Taysom Hill maybe into a quarterback role because he can run? What are we going to do with these receivers? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Adam Troutman, my head's spinning. All right, let's take a breath. 
initial thoughts. Michael Thomas is hurt and out for a while. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I haven't got to see where Thomas is going, like, in, like, the last few drafts that have happened, like, how far he's falling. Uh, I didn't own a ton of him. It wasn't – I mean, we talked about him on the show last time. I thought he was going to be fine. He was going to be safe for targets. I just thought, you know, there wasn't a, a big ceiling there um, for touchdowns. Um, but in the third round, he was fine. Well, now, if I've got to take off, you know, half, you know, basically almost half of my regular fantasy season mm-hmm. um, for an injury. And this is a guy that just, you know, had injuries all last year. And the thing with Michael Thomas, you know, his his volume, Drake, is almost more like a running back, right? He's always working inside, short, taking hits from linebackers and safeties. You know, he didn't just deal with cornerbacks. Like this guy, you know, he, he's in there mixing it up in the middle with the big boys. And so um, maybe some of this volume starting to catch up with him. I mean, I don't want to speculate. He, he could just end up being fine. But for me, um, you know, again, it would depend on where his ADP is, but he's almost, he's, I wouldn't say he's a definite, like I'm just not drafting him at all. But if somebody thinks, oh, well, now I'm still going to take him in the fourth or I'm still going to take him in the fifth, like I'm not doing that. No. Like there's no reason. Like I, I can take Robert Woods in the fourth and I'm still going to get more than I'm going to get, you know, out of Michael Thomas. I get into the fifth round and I still have other options that I think I'm still going to like over Michael Thomas. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is like, Again, we, we know there's quarterback questions. So for me, I'm just – he's going to have to really fall before I'm going to be willing. And, and to be honest, like we haven't talked about this one even before. Like I knew this had happened. I hadn't thought a lot about it other than, you know, just what I'm giving off the top of my head right now. But like just thinking draft strategy, um, I don't see a way that I'm tucking – that I'm that I'm even thinking about Michael Thomas before like round seven. That's exactly you know? the number I had. I mean, you yeah. remember, Dwayne, high ankle sprain last year. Played weeks yeah. nine through fourteen. Then he went on IR. Had a surgery in January, and now another surgery in June. Like, how can you have any confidence this guy's going to come back next year? We see it every year in fantasy, right? There's some guy who guys in your home league are going to pick, and they go, "Oh, I'm going to stick him on my bench." And then a couple weeks in, he's going to come back, and I'm going to have this superstar, and it never pans out ever. Like we always say, I don't want receivers with foot issues. Here's a receiver with a foot issue. Yeah. I mean, I've done this in the past with Sammy Watkins with multiple. Now, Sammy ended up having, having other issues, right? Um, you know, that probably challenged his career, but his health was obviously an issue early on and, and still can can bother him. But yeah, I don't want to like say, hey, it's never worked. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I'm sure there's been situations where, you know, you make that pick and it ends up working. But I don't like drafting unhealthy players, you know. Just to just to be honest, (laughs) especially with these lower body injuries, Drake, you know, they're pretty much they become an avoid for me, even in the seventh round. I mean, there's just still a lot of things I like. Um, So it would would really depend on my roster construction, my build, that sort of thing, where if I felt like like, say, maybe I started off with three running backs, Sam and I say maybe I grabbed a running back, a tight end, a quarterback, and I came back for whatever reason and went with two more backs. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm just going to throw a bunch of stuff at receiver. That's a kind of construction where I may, you know, take some a little bit of risk on Michael Thomas and say, all right, I'm just going to – I'm about to draft seven or eight receivers in a row. I'm going to take Michael Thomas. I know I'm not going to get to use him early, but if, if my core of backs and, and quarterback and tight end are really good and they can carry me far enough and then all of a sudden I get Michael Thomas back for the stretch run, then I may think, you know, okay, I like – that's a strategy I might be willing to think about because I'm, I'm going to draft enough receivers where I just basically need two or three of them every week out of the seven or eight. Right. Um, in best ball, 
I don't think I'm probably touching Michael Thomas hardly at all. Like he's really going to have to fall. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'd rather deal with him where I know that if it keeps lingering or whatever, and I need to move on, you know, that I can, or if I need to make other moves on my roster to make up for knowing he may miss extra weeks and things like that, that I've got that flexibility. I think it's probably tougher in best ball. All right. So let's talk about these other guys on the team. Elvin Kamara being the main fantasy option. So people are going to say like, wow, Elvin Kamara is going to see eight bazillion targets now. But again, we don't know if it's going to be Winston. We don't know if it's going to be Taysom Hill. Your initial thoughts hearing this news, how does this affect Elvin Kamara? Well, I mean, we already we talked about the quarterback thing last, you know, episode. I mean, I'm I'm the this last couple of weeks I've really been leaning more towards Taysom Hill. Um, and it Me seems too. like there's some other folks that are starting to lean more that way too um, on that situation. And I, man, here's the thing. So for Alvin Kamara, he's, he's going to have to get volume. You know, I think I saw something on Twitter today, like in the games, Michael Thomas has missed or something like that. Alvin Kamara is like 24% target share or something crazy. It might've even been higher than that. I just briefly saw it. I haven't had a chance to dig into it. Um, but I still worry about the Taysom Hill thing, man. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to have to get volume. Like they're going to have to figure out how to get him the ball. Um, so if Michael Thomas is out early in the season, I mean, I think it's obvious that Alvin Kamara is going to get a little bit more work, but again, it doesn't totally change me. I think the Taysom Hill thing still scares me. They could just try to run the ball more. Um, could mean even a little bit more Latavius Murray. Sure. Um, I think the guy that gets a chance, you know, and he's, not that he hadn't had any, but I think it's Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman. I think those are the two guys that really get an opportunity. And I mean, maybe Callaway, Deontay Harris, maybe those guys become, you know, late round picks now and best ball. Th- those guys both flash, you know, in very short and sporadic stints last season. They, they each dealt with some injuries of their own, um, you know, during the season. Um, but there were some games where Emmanuel Sanders Sanders was out and it was Callaway that had a game or two that was decent. Then then later in the season, Deontay Harris showed a little bit. You know, he's got speed. He's got that profile, right, of the punt, kick, returner, play, the playmaker type. Um, that maybe he still got that ability to have, you know, his talent unlocked at the at the NFL level. And maybe that's something Sean Payton's figuring out. So I like those guys as late round flyers now. Um, just because you can see, you can, you can see. And that's in a deeper league, obviously. That's, you know, if you're drafting in a, in a league where you're, you know, you've got 12 teams and it's 14 rounds, I'm probably not touching either one of those guys. I'm talking like 18, 20 round and, and maybe a best ball situation. Those guys should now be on your radar. But Troutman and, and, and Traquan, they're the two, I think, that get the biggest potential opportunity out of this news. Yeah, I, I'm not touching any of these Saints wide receivers because, frankly, I just don't think they're that talented. And if I'm in a managed league, I can find some more upside elsewhere. Troutman with his 10th round ADP, actually end of 10th round currently on the Football Guys Players Championship, which is also tied at premium. Uh, you know, that's going to creep up a ton. And I think you're going to see Adam Troutman going in your managed leagues you know, in the summer, probably seventh, eighth round, I'd say. I mean, I already had Troutman at 46 catches for 560 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean... Um, I, I definitely wouldn't say that he's a do not touch. I think no. he, he could definitely be a candidate for, mm-hmm. you, you know, providing some additional upside, you know, with Thomas out. And it's like you said, the, the thing is, Tom, like lots of things could happen. I mean, he may not, he may not rehab. Well, they could, they could be Oh, and five you know, choose to not play the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen with Michael Thomas. So, 
Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how much these guys, we should probably revisit this topic when we yeah. know more about it because it's all relative. Like how much are these ADPs going to move and we'll have to take a look at it. And for the next show, I'll have a little bit better of a handle on, um, you know, what I think these guys look like. Just so you guys know, Drake and I were texting and we we're like, okay, we're going to drop this show. And I, I was like, okay, so we'll do it at nine 30. I'm thinking central. And then I see Drake's tweet uh, tweet and it's like eight 30 <laughs> and I'm like outside loading up the car. I'm like, dude, like I'm a sweaty mess. I've got to like get inside and get ready. So sorry. I don't have like that, like right off the top of my head for you guys. And this isn't but the I've first this time this stuff happened, ready. by the way. Because Dwayne and I live in different time zones. I live in New York. He lives in Texas. So we've had this happen before. Like I come downstairs, getting ready to go. I'm like, all right, got you know, kiss the kids goodnight, go to bed. And I'm sitting here waiting, and I'm just waiting for Dwayne to pop up in the Streamyard app. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, any minute now. Maybe he's getting a drink. All right, maybe heading to the bathroom. And I tell you, dude, where are you? You know, and he's like, oh no, I'm at Central. I'm like, I, I live in the Eastern time zone. Everything in the world revolves around the East Coast time zone. East Coast bias, baby. Come on. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah, we've actually been pretty good, though. Like, I'm yeah, surprised we haven't had this mistake more often. So, yeah. Let's keep it moving here. And we're going to go to Green Bay, where Pro Football Talk reported tonight that there's some Vegas sports books taking the Green Bay win total prop off the board over fears Aaron Rodgers could retire. News today also broke that Devontae Adams stopped talks with the club on a long-term extension, which could make him a free agent in the offseason. None of this is really actionable in terms of fantasy. I have 0.0 faith that Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. I get that people are out there talking like, oh, he's got the same agent, David Dunn, as Carson Palmer, and he retired when he said he was going to, but Aaron Rodgers ain't doing that. All right, Aaron Rodgers is going to play. If he ain't in Denver, he's in Green Bay. If he ain't in Green Bay, he's in Denver. Let's be honest. Uh, Yeah, it's probably just a leverage thing. But, I mean, like to me, I I keep buying Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones while this negative news cycle is out. Like I hope this pushes them down. People start to overreact, right? Aaron Jones is already too far down, even even with a potential Aaron Rodgers holdout. Um, You know, Devontae Adams was starting to creep back up my guess is this news will push him back down again and I'll start taking advantage of it again. Cause I'd started to see him go at the end of the second and some of the best balls that I had done earlier this week, whereas you could used to get him at the end of the second, um, you know, or middle of the second. So I'm going to take advantage of this buying win- window on Adams. So here's the thing. If, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play for the Packers, is it going to hurt Devonte Adams? Yes. Is Devonte Adams still going to be a top six wide receiver? Probably because he's going to, he's, he's just going to get too many targets. I mean, he's one of the few guys in the league where we can say 30 to 35% of the team's passes are going to come his way. He's going to miss out on some big plays because Aaron Rodgers brings that Aaron Rodgers work outside of the pocket on the scramble drill, all that kind of stuff. He's one of the best in the league. And that's where some of your big hits come from. It's going to hurt Marquez Valdez Scantling um, more, right. Then it's going to hurt Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams is the intermediate works inside in the short game. Um, Jordan loves definitely a downgrade, but, we've talked about this before on the show, you know, I've done a study in the past of how, how much does a bad, how bad does a quarterback basically have to be before he really hurts a receiver, um, especially a good one. They have to be terrible. Um, <laughs> now it's not to say you're not getting incremental advantages and upside out of Rogers being there, but let's be honest. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have the year he had last year. I mean, he threw a touchdown on 9% of his passes. Like he's coming, he's going to come down. Like he had a, a phenomenal season, that he likely can't replicate. 
Um, you know, he's had that kind of a season one time before, I believe, at that high. I'd have to go back and look again. So that's why he was such it, a value last year because he had three pretty pedestrian seasons in a row. Yeah. And so he's gonna, uh, and well, he finally bought into the scheme the year before he fought it. And last year he figured out, holy crap, like all this play action and all of these wide zone, everything being tied to this, you know, and doing these different things that my coach was asking me to do last year. And I was being a prick about it. Like he figured out that, wow, it's actually working. And well, now he's back to, you know, just complaining and crying. And I love Aaron Rodgers; He's awesome. But I'm like, come on, man. Like just get over yourself. Like it's, you play for one of the best franchises in NFL history. You had a great season last year. I know the team hadn't drafted who you wanted, but they've given you a great young coach, built a great scheme around you. This is the scheme John Elway won Super Bowls in late in his life. You know, did you hear him bitching and moaning and saying he wanted to trade at the end of his career? Yes, I know he did fight his way out of Indianapolis early in his career. So don't like kill me, you know, over here in the chat room, but it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't really need to have any hot opinions about it. Uh, it it's not super actionable for me right now. I'm going to keep taking Devonte Adams as a wide receiver. One, I'm going to buy him on this dip. I'm not going to worry about that. I don't think he's going to hold out. He's just basically saying, look, if Aaron Rodgers ain't here, I'm not re-upping with the Packers long-term. I don't care. All I care about is this season. Right. Which is smart. You shouldn't stay there if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. You know, yeah. Jordan Love. Well, Let's- you'll see. Jordan, who knows? Jordan Love could come out and play well. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people hate Jordan Love, but we haven't really got to see Jordan Love yet. So, and I know a lot of people thought that was a wasted pick. Um, I'm not an expert on watching film on quarterback. And I know that there's some people I really respect that didn't like the Jordan Love pick. So, I mean, I tend to, you know, lean into their, um, you know, expertise over mine. But, dude, I just watched Josh Allen turn in from a complete piece of shit into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So, it's like, let's see what Jordan Love can do. I'm not just going to immediately say he's going to be terrible. I mean, he can just be average and run this offense. That's the beauty of this scheme, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the Jets tonight, but we will in the next episode. There's these these teams that move to this scheme, like you can do a lot with it with a mediocre quarterback. Um, and so if you can just get Jordan Love to mediocre and you can balance things out and really keep the defense guessing, um, you can you can still do some really nice things as an offense. You know what would be what I would love to see Drake is for Aaron Rodgers to hold out and Jordan Love to just destroy it like four games in a row. <laughs> and just, you know, I mean, and obviously if Rodgers were to come back, he'd still get his role. But just to be like, you know, I, I don't know. That's what I'd like to see. And plus then maybe you just get the trade. The Packers see enough and they're like, fine, screw it. We'll mm-hmm. send him to Denver, you know, and then all your Denver targets get a huge bump um, versus what they're dealing with right now at quarterback. In our chat room, Michael asked, what is he trying to achieve by holding out, you know, forcing a trade or whatnot? Here's the, kind of the long and the short of it is it's because he can. He, If he wants to be a dick, it's July. I said this about all these guys who get crazy about people on the PUP list right now. None of this matters. The only thing that matters is September when these guys are actually playing games. Aaron Rodgers could go to the moon with Richard Branson or, or Jeff Bezos or whoever right now, it doesn't matter as long as he's there when the season starts and he's going to be there when the season starts, he's not holding out. He's not going to get docked all that money. The NFL has a rule. Now it's the same reason Zach Ertz is reporting to Philadelphia and we'll get to them later. You can't take back the fines in the new CBA. Like you used to, these guys could get quote unquote fined in training camp. And they waive all the fines. You can't do that anymore. That's why all these dudes will show up. So if he doesn't like the GM and he wants to, you know, 
play hardball with him. This who cares? He's going to be there. You think this guy in the prime of his career is throwing away thirty million dollars? Not a chance. But you know, hey, what can you do? Let's. I want to play a quick game with you, though, Dwayne. Sure. Let's say he does retire or trade. They something happens. Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Devontae Adams, you say, is still an elite wide receiver. So I want to read off a few wide receivers going after him in drafts. You tell me if you would rather take Devontae Adams with Jordan Love at quarterback or this player, okay? Let's do it. By the way, everyone's loving your uh, freshly shaved face today. I know there's a lot of uh, like 12-year-old comments. (laughs) I I put I'm 16. (laughs) I mean, just so you guys know. Uh, but I'll turn this way, like you can see, like there's some gray over there. So that kind of balances it out. I like it. All right, here we go. Some of these are are, are pretty easy. So again, Devontae Adams with Jordan Love, who would you rather have? Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. DK Metcalf. Devontae Adams. Oh, okay. Justin Jefferson. Devontae Adams. I think we hit the the floor. A.J. Brown. Devontae Adams. Okay, so it doesn't go that far. Well, because what you just named, you named two other guys in front of him that are going to get about the same volume as him but have Mm -hmm. a better quarterback. So it was a (laughs) tiebreaker. You know, if Aaron Rodgers signs, he moves back above those two guys. I'm still taking him behind Tyreek Hill. Um, If Aaron Rodgers signs, I'm taking Devontae Adams as my number two and Diggs as my number three. And a PPR, half PPR standard that – wouldn't those would still be my orders standard it gets a little you start to lean more into your dk metcalfs and your justin jefferson and your aj browns right because it's more just than your yards and your touchdowns and so that that will push him down a little bit but your half point and your pprs would be just the way we just named it draft talk is without question the best part of the fantasy football season like right now Dwayne, i love this time of year i like when guys are talking draft strategy you're just talking players once the season starts and you've got your teams it's kind of like eh, all the fun's gone you know i don't know for some reason i like this time of year and what i really like about it is the draft i love getting together with my old frat buddies we run out a bar here on the the irish section of syracuse we go upstairs we get a keg and it's a blast and we're doing it in person this year. And I bet a bunch of you listeners out there are going to do the same thing. But you're going to need a draft board. You got to do it right. That's where our pals at draftwithredzone.com come in. We've partnered up with these guys. We have a promo code FF Hustle. Use that, save five bucks, get free shipping. You're going to get the board, the stickers. You're going to get a sign to put around your last place league member that says, like, I'm a loser at fantasy football. You're going to get cheat sheets. And most importantly to me, if you're watching us on YouTube and why aren't you, you're going to get this cool championship ring. And if you notice, they'll engrave it with whatever you want on there. The team name, your league name, R says FF Hustle Podcast. Open up the ring case. Look at this bad boy. It looks just like the Eagles Super Bowl championship ring, which of course was the greatest championship in the history of the NFL. All of that. This thing's heavy duty, man. All of that. With our promo code FF Hustle, draftwithredzone.com. There's a uh, link to it in the show notes. So go check out our friends over there. I'll be using it for my draft with my buddies. Let's keep it rolling here, Dwayne. And what everyone's here for, your projections, my friend. Let's get started in the Steel City, where new OC Matt Canada takes over an offense that at one point last year was 10 and 0. 
People forget this. The Steelers were undefeated. They dropped four of their last five games and were bounced in the wild card round by the Browns, who dropped 48 on their ass. So this is a team who supported three top 30 PPR wide receivers, led by rookie breakout Chase Claypool, who exploded on the scene and led an offense that led the NFL in pass attempts. This offense finished 15th in passing yards due largely to Ben's rag arm that was completely overworked coming off surgery last year. And the run game that you often associate with Pittsburgh was totally non-existent. They finished dead butt naked last in rushing yards. Again, Pittsburgh Steelers dead last in rushing yards, and it wasn't even close. Houston blew them out of the water, which is insane. Offensive line was battered and bruised and just bad. And they finished bottom five in rushing touchdowns, dead last in first downs gained rushing, and rush yards per attempt. Obviously, that led to the first-round selection of one, Najee Harris. So, let's get into it with the Steelers here. What do you think of Matt Canada? What's he going to do with this offense? And let's, I guess, start with what I finished with, Najee Harris in the run game. Yeah, let me hit the offense stuff though first, because like I mean, that's really the key to projecting this offense. And mm-hmm. we'll jump in, you know, to Harris. So this offense, um, you know, is going to be very different than what we saw last year. But they're still gonna Ben's input, right? Is still going to be huge. So mm-hmm. I, it's gonna. I'm, I'm I'm interested to see where this balances out. So I mean, you know, Ben talks about how different the offense is. Matt Canada, we know like how much motion he uses, uh, play action, sweeps. He'd rather have his quarterback under center, um, lots of uh, tempo with his offense. Um, ben doesn't really like being under center. Ben has not been good a, as a play action passer in like four or five years. He had a few years where he was better as a play action than a normal drop back. But he's, he's kind of one of those guys like still of the Manning, you know, the Peyton Manning, even Tom Brady era where – you stand back, you know, you point at everybody and you get everything perfect. You run the play clock down to one second left yep. and everything is just about, you know, your guys winning their matchup. And the cool thing is he has the receivers that can do that. And like you mentioned last year, um, you know, his arm struggled toward the second half of the season. He posted his lowest a dot of his career of 7.4, but he still threw 33 touchdowns in 15 games, you know, only 10 picks. I mean, people do forget, um, while he may not have looked great, and, and, I, and I know there were issues with Ben's game from a fantasy perspective, like 33 touchdowns, I mean, that is the second most that he's ever thrown in his career. Um, you know, he threw 34 in 16 games in 2018. Now the yardage came down, 3,800 versus that season he had 5,100. So big difference in fantasy points, 353 versus 275. The 33 touchdowns, he's got the weapons to make it work. So I'm, I'm super interested to see, like, how this is going to work, Drake. Because mm-hmm. we've talked about Randy Fickner right before on this podcast, not big fans. <laughs> We're not big fans. Of, he was of, Ben's of, boy. That's how he got the job. Yeah, but not not a fan. Didn't do anything to make the defense think about anything before the snap or to think about at the snap. So here's what my guess is: they're not going to run a ton of play action. If they do, it's going to be from the gun. But I think what we are going to see more of is we're going to see more motion. We're going to see more shifts. We're going to see more using the receivers in the running game to make those, those, you know, uh, motion plays more effective and also to help their running game. Because while last year they dealt with, you know, a ton of injuries um, along the offensive line um, this year, they've have a totally rebuilt offensive line, Drake. Like there's not one starter that's back. I don't know if that's a good thing though. It's not, 
it's not a good thing. That's, that's my point. (laughs) So they need to do everything they can um, to help throw the defense off balance because they're going to need to give that offensive line time to gel. Um, It's most likely going to, it's most likely likely not going to be very good. Um, They spent their first round pick, like you said, on Najee Harris, their second round pick on a tat on a tight end and um, Farmouth out of Penn state. Then they took a center in the third round, you know, so most of their offensive line, you know, they lost Alejandro Villanueva, uh, they lost Pouncey, who retired. Uh, DeCastro is now injured, likely not playing for the season. So their their linemen that had traditionally been their anchors, right, and then they would fill in around them, they're gone. And so it's a complete rebuild. So they need, honestly, they, they've got to change their scheme or Ben's going to get destroyed. Now, last year, Ben's time to throw, average time to throw Drake was 2.17 seconds. Like that, that's below, that's way below the league average. The year before you've been at 2.55, 2.45, 2.48. Old school Ben, you know, was in the two eights, two sevens. He even had a year up in the threes, 2.9. Wow. And when I say old school, I'm talking like his first four or five years in the league. He'd hold on to the ball longer, pushing it down the field with eight dots of 10 and above. Now he's just, you know, basically they built that offense just to try to get it out, you know, really quick. So, it's going to be, like I said, it's just really going to be interesting. So the way I'm looking at this offense right now, I see them, you know, really trying to be a little bit more balanced, but I would see them still, you know, they're still going to pass, you know, uh, I still got them at 60% drop back, 40% rushing, but last year, I mean, you know, they were like 65, 35. So uh, I see them getting closer to like the 60, 40 range, which is still high, but just trying to balance it out enough to try to, you know, really protect them do some different things, make the defense think about some different things. So it's, it's, it's going to be super interesting. So from, you know, a projection standpoint that impacts things, you know, quite a bit, like 5% may not seem like a lot, but it is a decent amount, you know, whenever you're talking about 17 games. Um, So I do believe that Najee Harris is the every down back. We've heard that confirmed through everything through the reporters. They like him in pass pro, um, they like him, you know, as a receiver out of the backfield and they love, you know, his body type and his smash mouth, you know, kind of style, but he can also beat you long. There's a lot of things that Harris can do. So, um, yeah, they're, they're super excited about him. Now the question is how good is, can the offensive line be good? And here's the other thing about the scheme, the scheme, you know, that they're installing and the ground game is now going to be for the first, the Steelers, the Steelers have always ran more of a gap and a power style running game. They use a little bit of inside zone and outside zone, but not that much. They're not like the Shanahan or Lafleur or McVay schemes. They have not used that. So they are switching um, and they're going to more of a zone running scheme as well. And that could potentially help them because we have seen, you know, some of these teams that use more of that wide zone type scheme be able to get away with a little bit lesser offensive lineman. Um, but again, it's a brand new unit that's never been together before. <laughs> it's like you said, I'm not sure that's a good thing. Um, so here's the thing with Najee, the volume is going to be there. You know, I don't see a way that he doesn't get to, you know, 280, 300 attempts in a 17 game season. Now you, you've got to project the low end. You know how I am. I don't, and if you guys haven't ever read, there's an old article I wrote on at mattwaldmanrsp.com about how I do projections, how I think about yards per carry, and like what I've researched and studied and, and why you won't ever hear me get way away from these. Every once in a while, I'll have a player that I'll, I'll project at above four and a half yards per carry or even above four and a quarter. Typically, I project almost everyone, mostly just based on the volume, and I'll have them right around four to four and a quarter 
yards per carry because it's just not a sticky stat. And even if you start breaking it down to yards before contact and yards after contact, like that can be, that can, that can still be problematic. It's not like that's, you know, super sticky, you know, either. So when I look at projecting um, running backs, you know, I keep it pretty simple and I've got Harris at four yards per carry, but would I be surprised if he's at 3.75? No. Would I be surprised if it, if is it four and a quarter? No. I mean, cause if he does really well in yards after contact, but the yards before contact, because the offensive line are really bad, he could still only average 3.7 yards per carry. Um, or he could not as perform as well as we think he's going to, and the offensive line could be bad, and he could be at three and a half yards per carry. So, I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Um, I'm just projecting him at four yards right now. So I've got him at 1,200 yards on 300 carries, Drake, um, and I've got him right under 10 touchdowns. It's just a volume play. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's more like around eight touchdowns either. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really this, this is probably a little past the median projection. Like now that I'm sitting here, like you know, looking at it, talking about it. Um, but uh, yeah, hang on one second. Yeah, no, that would still be right under ten. Um, so that's where I've got him right now. But the thing is, like, he's going to get targets. Um, now they have three really good pass targets already, so it's not like he's going to be like a twenty percenter or anything. But I mean, I've got him at ten percent, you know, of the targets. Um, so that's four, that's 62 targets, 49 receptions, 370 yards receiving, and I've got him at one and a half receiving touchdowns. So, I mean, I've got him at 11 touchdowns. I've got him at 15, almost 1600 total yards. That's 275 points and a PPR, uh, would have been 259 and a 16 game PPR, just as a reference point, half PPR, that's 250. And in a non PPR, that's 225. So for me, Najee Harris, early in the off season was going like towards the end of the second and even in the early third. And I just thought that was really too late. And now, you know, he's more of a mid second and that's about where he should be. Um, I have, I have no problem if you want to take him with one of your first three or four picks in the second round based on the way you want to build out your roster. It's funny. I'm just rolling through some stats here last year. Guess who was dead last in play action passes? Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. about him. Yeah, guess who was dead last, or you could say first, in drop passes? Pittsburgh Steelers. Tied with your Cowboys, by the way. Uh, so that's a good segue into the receivers. And Deontay Johnson, I, I love the kid. I've got him on a, a couple of dynasty teams. He, to me, can take over that sort of Antonio Brown role. I know it's new OC and all this stuff now, but, boy, that kid is just a complete receiver. So if you got to pick one of the three, Kind of where you're going, where do you want to take these guys in drafts, depending on how you're building? Even though last year, Claypool finished first in fantasy points among all these guys. Yeah, I think they should all be pretty close to each other. But Deontay is the guy that I like the most because um, he's just the guy that seems to be able to get open, you know, at will. Um, So, I mean, he had 25 percent target share in his fully healthy game. So you remove the games he missed. You remove the games where he got knocked out with with a with an injury. Um, he was in on 25% of the targets. Here's my one potential concern with Deontay Johnson. With this change in the scheme, you know, what's it going to look like? Most likely it'll still mostly be 11 personnel, just like it was last year. But if they try to run more wide zone and they need to use some 12, or they need to use some 21, which one of these receivers is leaving the field? You know, because if they want these receivers to block more, which we've been reading about, right, in OTAs mm-hmm. and in minicamp, and Juju Smith-Schuster, he's a good blocker. Chase Claypool is a good blocker. 
I mean, I don't want to say he's good, but he's a bigger bodied blocker. Is Deontay Johnson potentially the guy that leaves the field when they're in 21 and 12 personnel? I do wonder that um, because Juju is also complaining and basically saying, hey, play me outside. So next year when I'm a free agent again, I can get paid like an outside wide receiver instead of a slot wide receiver, which is basically the, they're starting to become treated like running backs. Um, everybody's like, oh, well, you just play the slot. Anybody can do that. You're a commodity. So there could be a situation where if they try to go a little more balanced, that Deontay could be off the field. I'm not really betting on that though, Drake. And here's why I just don't, I don't see them. I don't think Ben's knees are going to be good enough to be trying to run, you know, 21 personnel and being under center as much as Canada may want to do it. I think they're still going to end up in shotgun most of the plays. Mm -hmm. And if they're in shotgun, you can still run some 12, but 21's 21 personnel is pretty much out in that, in that formation. It's not, not like it can't ever be used, but it's not as effective um, so, and it's not like they have two great tight ends. I guess you could say, you know, I mean, they've got a, a rookie that they spent a decent pick on and you've got Eric Ebron. So I could see 12 being really their next, you know, uh, I could see that being their next formation. If I was just looking at their roster talent and you weren't concerned about the quarterback breaking down, I would say you should run 10, four wides and then mix it up with 12, you know, and then you run some, you run 11 in between, but I don't really know where it's going to land. That's my one concern with Deontay with Deontay Johnson. How willing is he going to be in the run game to work inside and block? Because you got to in this run game, like receivers have to they have to block linebackers. You're not just blocking corners. You're being asked like to, to run, you know, like ear hole a linebacker. Deontay Johnson, like I'm not sure, like you know, how willing is he going to be to do that? Um, whereas I think Juju and Claypool are insulated, but I will say I think Deontay has the most upside because he's the guy that when I project it and I run my range of outcomes, he's the one that I see that has the upside to be like a 25% target share. Now, the way I have him projected, I've got Deontay at 22%. I've got Juju at 18%, and I've got Claypool at 19%. So, I mean, I've got them all pretty close. Um, but Deontay, that's 136 targets for 92 receptions, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns. 81 receptions, 890 yards for Juju, and six touchdowns. Claypool I've got with 73 receptions, 1,100 yards, and seven and a half touchdowns. So they're all pretty close. Deontay is at 246, Claypool at 230, and Juju at 204. Would it surprise me, Drake, if like any of those numbers were flipped, though? No. So mm-hmm. I, I honestly am drafting Juju the most <laughs> because people just leave him there. It's like nobody wants him. Like you can get Juju sometimes in the seventh and eighth round. Like I got him so late in the Scott Fishbowl. Like, what? Yeah, that's too late. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a guy you can easily flex um, Mm -hmm. every week. I mean, he's performed every year of his career. Um, Now, has he been a little bit of a letdown because of the trajectory we thought he might have been on two years ago? Yeah, but see, this is how people. This is the psychology of fantasy football. People overreact, Brian. It's all of a sudden Juju Smith Schuster, man. He's yesterday's news, seventh round, eighth round pick, right? But we've got to draft Javante freaking Williams in the third round. Are you freaking kidding me? Like that's stupid. You know? Oh, Robert Woods. Well, yeah, he's old. I mean, he's like 28 and he's got Matt Stafford now and he's going to go in, and he goes in the fourth round because he's just not, you know, as sexy. Like, so it's just funny to me, you know, the way this, but, but, but we we're going to force it on Jamar chase. Got, got to take him in the fifth round. You got to take Jamar chase. I don't have to take Jamar chase. You may feel like you've got to take Jamar chase. Juju Smith Schuster is probably going to sport is going to, there's a really good chance Juju scores as many points as, as Jamar Chase. Like if you just ran it based on a pure percentage, you know, from a pure uh, percentage standpoint, 
Um, because guess what? We've already talked about the Bengals. They're going to spread it out across three receivers, just like the Steelers are probably going to do. Now you could argue with me. Yep. Joe Burrow's younger. Yes, he is. But I mean, Ben supported all three of these receivers last year. So it'll, it'll be interesting, Drake. I, I'm, I'm willing to draft any one of them. Deontay's the one that I will draft from the fifth round and on. Claypool, I would draft from the sixth round and on. And I, I'm willing, if I needed to, to draft Juju from the sixth round and on. I just don't really have to. I can I, I can usually get him in the seventh round. Here, I'm going to do something here, fun here for our friends on YouTube. Everyone's talking about Dwayne and his uh, smooth as a baby bottom face. Let's do an extreme close-up on Dwayne's face. Let's see. Ah! Right. Oh, do I need to... <laughs> Go off camera. <laughs> there you go. There, there's Dwayne looking like a 12-year-old. Uh, I don't know if America's ready for this, Dwayne. Do you think they're ready for the Eagles projections with me fist pumping, ready to go in my Deshaun Watson jersey, hanging in the closet? Eh, let's I, let's try. Let's see what we can do. All right. I mean, why, so wouldn't they, why wouldn't they be ready? Do, well, do you want me to just go on mute here? Oh, we got you. I'll talk for the next four hours here, folks. So let, let's get into it. <laughs> Nick Sirianni takes over for Dougie P just a few years after Doug hoist, uh, hoisted the Lombardi trophy. I mean, it's so mind-blowing what happened in Philadelphia that in 2017 they won a Super Bowl and the coach and the quarterback are now gone. Wentz was shipped up packing for Indianapolis for some draft picks. This, of course, opens the door for now for second-year quarterback Jalen Hurts to take over this offense. So in Hertz's four starts last year, the Eagles were top five in the NFL in rushing attempts, which I think you could expect to be a theme this year, Dwayne, with a healthy offensive line. And as for the passing game, wasn't pretty. 52% completion percentage. If you're on Twitter, you know people are beating you over the head with that. But again, this is a kid who had zero OTAs, never practiced with the first team until week 14. Backup quarterbacks don't get run during the season. They don't. It's just, it was all Wentz all the time. This kid's standing on the sideline picking his nose. The Eagles added Devonta Smith to go with Jalen Rager. You got Dallas Goddard at tight end. And then we've got the Zacherts trade rumors. I still don't believe he's going to be there. Um, but until he's gone, you know, we have to kind of assume that he is. And then there's the, the Watson stuff. The Watson trade rumors on the table. Honestly, if I had to make a bet, I'm saying Deshaun Watson is the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback at some point this season, but we have to go with what we know now, and that is Jalen Hurts. So let, let's have a little conversation here about the Eagles. Uh, let's start with Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, the OC. What do you think is going to happen with this offense? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be more like what we've seen, you know, with, with the Colts under Frank Reich. Um, now, Reich has shown you multiple things, right? When he had Andrew Luck, he threw the ball a lot. When he had Jacoby Brissett, it became a much more run-heavy offense. Last season with Phillip Rivers, it was a run-balanced offense, but he had also added Jonathan Taylor to the backfield. So I think what you're going to have here, with especially once you account for um, Hertz's legs in the situation, is you're going to have more of a run-heavy to run-balanced offense like what you said. Now, game script's going to play a role, so there's going to be games where that could be blown out really early. Um could be most but when I think about the, the Eagles offensive line and, and just what you said, like, dude, they were they were decimated last season. And it, it was it happened before the season even started. I mean, if we think back to, you know, Brooks was out like he got hurt like right away. Right. in training camp, he never mm -hmm. even played a training game. Camp. Andre Dillard, Achilles. 
Andre Dillard missed six. Games, if I remember correctly, but Brandon Brandon Brooks, I know, missed all 16. Lane Johnson missed eight. Jason Peters missed nine. The backup guard, uh, Suamalo, like he missed games. Rager missed six games. Ertz missed five games. Goddard missed six games. Miles Sanders missed four games. I mean, this dude, they were destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> thanks in, for reminding injuries. me. It was a fun year. Yeah. So, uh, so to your point, though, I mean, what do we really know about Jalen Hurts? I don't think we know a ton. You know, he he was behind an offensive line that he was basically running for his life. His receivers were in and out of the lineup. Like you said, he didn't have any time with those players. So I think there's a chance that Jalen Hurts surprises us a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, looking at Jalen Hurts coming out, he's another player that a lot of the people I really respect in the industry that watch watch the film and a lot of the people that look at the data and things, not big fans of Jalen Hurts, worried about his accuracy, even though it got much better, you know, in his last year of college, there were concerns, you know, around that. But you know what? In fantasy football, at least for him, it doesn't matter, does it, Drake? Because no. his legs are amazing. So he perceived pressure that wasn't there last year and it made him take off and run. And if you draft him, you kind of want that. Like, keep it up, kid. Just go get me 100 yards rushing and a touchdown every week. Yeah. And, then I, and the other nice little bonus you get is, you know, with Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen. Um, and am I saying that right? I've like never heard Shane Steichen's name pronounced. Yep. Is that yeah, how that's you right. say it? Look at Steichen, Steichen. Yeah. Uh, well, never mind. You really don't know, so we'll, we'll we'll see. You'll you'll figure it out though. By the time the Eagles have their first preseason game, you'll know. You'll tell me. But there's some upside as far as the number of plays you know that they can run. They're typically both those guys are at least around the league average, but they both also shown in the past the willingness to really go up tempo. So if you look like last year uh, at the Chargers, 69.7 plays per game. That was first in the league. Whereas you know if you look at Sirianni. And the Colts, he was at 13th in the league at 64.4. If you look at the year before, Steichen was at 63.4, which was league average. Or sorry, Sirianni was at 63.4, which was right at league average. But Steichen was at 65.8, you know, which was fourth. So there's a there's some opportunity, you know, for uh, there to be some more tempo. We could potentially see an offense that runs a lot more plays than what we saw last year. Um, like I already talked about kind of how the, they like to run the pass run. I think it is going to be more of a, a pass heavy to run balance type offense, not a ton of play action, but that was really, I think more about Philip rivers. Like what we just talked about with Ben rivers mm -hmm. was another one of those guys that just was used to not turning his back to the defense. Um, you know, could have been to do with health and, and legs and mobility and those sorts of things. So I think you'll see more play action now but they were 13th or sorry, sixth in the league and screen in the screen game, you know, for, um, for Sirianni 10th, you know, for Steichen. So I think you'll see plenty of that shift in motion. Neither one of them used a ton of that trick look plays to really throw defense off. Not a lot of that, but both of them used a lot of no huddle. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean that the offense is running faster because, you know, you could look the play clock click down to literally zero. So I think, you know, you're going to see this run balanced offense. And when I think about Hertz, I mean, just him alone, I don't see a way, Drake, that he finishes outside the top eight quarterbacks if he plays all season, you know. And Absolutely. I don't know how to place a bet on Deshaun Watson. I feel like that's a complete unknown. I know there's news. I know there's mm -hmm. smoke. But, like, I don't know how to place odds on, on the chance that Deshaun Watson becomes an eagle with all the crap that's going on. <laughs> there's a lot of variables, you know. So For sure. It's like, yeah, he's got to clear up that. that my assumption situation. right now is he just isn't going to play this season. And if he does play, he's going to be a Texan. That's, I think if I had to put odds on it, like that's 
probably where I would put him. And I don't feel good about those either. But at the same time, like I think trying to project where he's going to be, where he's going to land, like I don't, I don't know of any kind of mathematical kind of way. There's mm-hmm. an art to that. I don't know what the science is, and I'm not yeah. good at the art of it. So I don't really build it too much into my projection. Model. I don't build it at all into my projection model. I may think about it during a draft, like that day when you and I were drafting together, and we're like, you know, if we get a chance and we want to make Watson, you know, our third, you know, quarterback, and we put him with a, a guy you can get in the 14th round, like Rager just in case it happens that that could be an interesting stack, right. To have in a mm-hmm. best ball league, if you're going to draft a bunch of teams, but when we're just talking about Hertz, man, um, I've got him down for 335 yards on design rushing plays. So there's 67 design rushing plays. And then I've got him down um, as far as, you know, scrambles. I've got him down for 64 of those for 466 yards. That's 801 yards rushing. And I've got him down for five rushing touchdowns, which could easily be seven or eight. Sure. <laughs> so just on that alone, Drake, we're talking like over a hundred fantasy points before he's ever thrown a pass. It's really hard to not finish in the top eight or so if if you can get that many rushing yards. And again, this is assuming 17 games. So if you guys like want to take my projection and you think, uh, I'm gonna shave off whatever, however many games, I mean you can you can take this as a baseline. I'm giving Hertz all the work, and here's why. I mean, who's behind him? Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco or Nick Mullins? Here's the only thing I would see where Hertz is not playing, besides a Watson trade. And you tell me if this sounds right, Drake, because you're there. You you hear it. You know more than me. Would be we're sitting at week seven. Hertz is playing bad, but the Eagles are in it because the division sucks. They're three and four but so is everyone else and the rest of the team is playing really well. And they decide, you know what? We can win this division with Joe Flacco. That's like really the only scenario I see where Hertz gets benched. He could come out and play good. He doesn't get benched. He could come out and play bad and they suck. And everyone, someone else in the division is already running away with the division. I don't think Flacco plays in that scenario. I think they just say, Hey, let's see if this kid grows. Let's see if he shows us something in the second half of the year, because we got to know if we got to draft a quarterback or not. And guess what? If he's really terrible, great. We'll win two games and we'll have a really great draft pick. So I feel like I feel like the only way, and this is there is a chance of this because of this division, you get around the middle of the season and nobody's running away with the thing and the Eagles are still in it, but he has just been terrible. Then I could see him saying, okay, Flacco, here's the keys. We don't really mean give you the keys. Like, you know, we're actually going to, here's, here's the walker. We just want you to go out and not lose the game. You know, um, we're not giving you a car. Yeah, just so tennis balls will be on the front, you know, and we'll make sure that you don't bump into shit. We'll try to protect you. Um, but that would be terrible, I think, overall for the rest of the offense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. oh, and I say that, I mean, if, if it hurts us playing that terrible, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't be, you know, that bad of a thing. But that, that's my thought on hurts. Like, so what's your what's your take on the situation? What are the scenarios, Deshaun, besides Deshaun Watson? where Jalen Hurts gets benched for Joe Flacco. I don't think it happens. Um, Really, if – well, put it this way. If Hurts is horrendous and totally torpedoes all his trade value, which I also think is a reason they want to trade him now because if there's a trade with Houston, Hurts is going to be a part of that. You don't want teams to get more film on him if he really, truly sucks. Because then you can't get anything for him. Nobody's going to want him. Uh, but I don't think there's a chance that they don't play him. 
this team is young. There's a part of me also that thinks, hey, Jalen Hurts is a winner. He's a leader. People buy into Jalen Hurts, and this team is going to rally around him, and he's going to be a very good fantasy asset and a, you know, probably a fine regular NFL quarterback. He's got you know, he's got weapons now that you can't make the excuse. He doesn't have weapons. He's got Miles Sanders. He's got Dallas Goddard. He's got Devonta Smith. He's got Jalen Rager. You even got Travis Fulgham running around out there. So you can't say he doesn't have weapons. He's got a healthy line. He, I, he should put up numbers. We're here in fantasy football about numbers. And in my mind, so I, there's no reason he's not going to do it. I, I, I don't so see him getting benched. I bumped him. You know, he was at 52% completion percentage last year. I bumped him to 58 And I was on the phone last night with Matt Waldman and we were just talking about a few different offenses, just like bouncing some things off of each other. And the Eagles were one of the teams we talked about. And I asked him about Jalen Hurts. Um, You know, obviously we respect Matt's opinion. And, and he said, well, let me pull it up. And he pulled it up and he's like, I got him at 58%. I was like, okay, we're good. Like we both got him at the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Matt said he definitely sees some issues there. The data with pro football focus definitely shows some issues as well. Um, So the film and the data are matching around accuracy, but he named some of the same things we just talked about, you know, as far as, you know, the situation that, that Hertz was in, he, he, there's, there's going to be some, there should be some improvement, you know, I mean, he was, he was in one of the worst situations you could be in. Now his accuracy was horrendous. Um, His, his big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio was, was terrible. His negative versus positive throws was bad. His under pressure versus kept clean didn't matter. He was bad either way. On target, he was one of the worst. On target passes was the worst. Well, one of the worst in the league. I can't technically grade him because he didn't play enough games to be graded against the top 32 quarterbacks. But if so, we don't officially put a number by him. But if you look at the chart, like the little, the, the head of like barely the beak of the Eagle is showing on the chart. Like the, you don't even see the eyeball or the neck of the Eagle. Like it's off the chart. Um, third down, he was one of the worst accuracy uh, as far as, you know, ball being thrown within a catchable range of the receiver, bad catchable inaccurate. He was below average and uncatchable, meaning just receiver can't catch it period. You know um, even if he's LeBron James was bad. So he was terrible in every way possible. Now, again, having said all that, he was also in a terrible situation. So I don't think he's going to come out and be a 64, 65% passer. I don't think we're going to see many cases like what we've seen with Josh Allen. It, is it in, is it is it within the range of outcomes? Uh, yeah, I guess we have to say that it is now, but the percentage chance is probably low. But if, I, if he just gets to, say, 58%, let's play around with this for a second, Drake. If he just gets to 58%, and let's say the Eagles, because I didn't tell everybody where I had him, I've got the Eagles right now because people like will eye on me after the show. They're like, hey, you didn't say the run pass splits. So, so people are like really into this stuff. So I've got the Eagles at 59% um, passing plays versus 41% rushing plays. And for those of you new to listening to our podcast, a pass play means they drop back to pass. If you get sacked, that's wiped off the books, you know, as far as really being an attempt because it's not a rush and it's not a pass. But if you scramble, that goes down in the stat book as a rush. So all of a sudden – what was a drop back to pass could either be wiped off the books or now turn into a run play based on two out of the three scenarios that could occur when you drop back to pass. So when you look at their actual attempts, passes versus rush, it's 52 to 48. And that's because when you add in his scrambles and you add in the sacks, 
that's that's where it goes. And his sack rate was really high last year. And we know even though the line's going to be better, uh, quarterbacks do partially own their sack rate. And like you even mentioned it, you talked about him feeling pressure that wasn't there. He doesn't have a real good sense for the pocket. You know, you watch mm-hmm. those games, you've watched every throw that, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, has made. But even at 58% and knowing that I just said, you know, where I just put the Eagles, you know, at 52, uh, yeah, 52% pass versus 48% um, rush on their attempts. That's still 4,072 yards, Drake, on 315 completions. I've got him at seven and a half yards per completion. I've got him at 24 touchdowns, 12 picks. That still comes out, man. Drake, that comes out to 360 fantasy points. That's a lot of fantasy points. That's a lot of fantasy points. Okay. So let's say Jalen Hurts only improves to 55% completion percentage. And let's say. Let's say he only averages seven yards passing attempt. And let's even take his, let's take his, you know, uh, touchdowns down just to hang on. Let me do this real quick. I got to control Z all this. Cause I won't remember what I had in here. Even if I take him down to 22 touchdowns passing, drop him to 55% on his completion percentage and take his yards per attempt down to seven, which could happen, right? I mean, Devonta Smith is still a rookie. Jalen Rager hasn't shown us anything. Dallas Goddard's had flashes, but he's never been the, he hasn't shown us the eliteness that we think lives within Dallas Goddard yet. Mm-hmm. And, and Miles Sanders has still got some question marks too. So let's say all those things go that way and he averages seven yards, you know, per attempt. That's still 337 fantasy points. Let's say he's terrible at 6.5 yards per attempt passing. By the and way, that would have put him at QB 11 last year in fantasy behind Lamar Jackson. Let's drop him to 53% completion rate. That's 326 fantasy points so he no matter what he's going to be top 12 i think it's going to be really hard for him to not be in the top eight i mean Mm -hmm. that's just that's me and and here's my thought about that like he's also got upside what if all of a sudden he's even just a little bit better than we think what if he completes 60 percent of his passes and somehow he hits seven and you know three quarters of a yard per attempt or eight you know, that's that's just as much within his range of outcomes, right, as being at six and a half. So people, you got to look at things like from both ways. So this is where I think, you know, his median or slightly over his median is, um, you know, is right there at almost 360 fantasy points. So Jalen Hurts, when he's there in the ninth and tenth round, I click yes. I'm voting for Jalen Hurts with my fantasy dollars. Um, and at that point, even if Deshaun Watson signs in week seven or something, here's the deal. Even if Deshaun Watson gets traded, there's a good ch- chance Deshaun Watson's going to be, you know, he's facing going to be facing something, you know. Um, and, and who knows? I'm not the legal ex- expert. We could get Drew Davenport on here to, like, fill everybody in and do way, a way better job at that. I'm just looking at Jalen Hurts. And right now in fantasy drafts today, I'm very mm-hmm. willing to take him at that spot. Let's move over to Miles Sanders. We were spending a long time on just Hurts, which, hey, we could make this an Eagles podcast all day if we wanted to. But uh, let's talk about Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders is a guy who came into last year. People had pretty high hopes for him. You know, hey, let's get Miles Sanders in the first round. Didn't play week one. Missed weeks seven and eight. Uh, was pretty banged up in the middle of the year. At one point in the middle of the season, Miles Sanders, and we talked about this on the show, you needed Miles Sanders to break off a 75-yard run to salvage his day, and he did, and all the points count the same. So, I mean, we're not disparaging him doing that, but he was not consistent. He looked bad, and he looked awful behind that offensive line. 
if the line's healthy, if we can get the screen game up to where uh, the Chargers and the Colts are, and that's something that Doug failed to do last year, and, and Peterson, a lot of, I think, the blame falls on him for these offensive shortcomings. I think Sanders can have a great year and be such a value as a second-round pick and help teams win leagues, especially maybe you go receiver in the first round and then, you know, go, hey, go take Tyreek Hill in the first round or DeAndre Hopkins or whatever you take or Kelsey. Well, well, here's the good news, Drake, for you. Miles Sanders is falling in the fourth round most of the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> here's my issue with Miles Sanders. Um, I, I, everything you just said is true. And I, I love the comments around the offensive line. Yeah, you're My right. My bigger four, four. concern is we've got two coaches that are very willing to get a passing down backs back into the mix. We saw Naheem Hines um, under Sirianni, and we've seen Eckler under Steichen. And I just think, based on what I saw in the data last year, so if you look at Miles Sanders. Um, he averaged 73% of the snaps, 57% of the routes in his full games, 13% targets, 60% of the attempts. He handled 72% of the two-minute offense. That, But if you look at later in the season, they started to take that away from him. So over the first four games, he averaged 89% of the two-minute offense. And he, and he averaged uh, like almost 80% of the long down and distance. But then like down the stretch, like that got reduced. Both of those got reduced like drastically. Now he still kept getting the snaps inside the five, uh, still kept getting about half the attempts inside the five. And and even though the offensive line was terrible, like his efficiency metrics, you know, were not bad. I mean, he he, he still had 3.3 yards after contact the year before, sorry, 3.4 yards after contact, which was, you know, versus the year before 3.3. Um, he had a breakaway attempt percentage of 3.7%. The year before was 3.9%. That's a little low. A player like Sanders, you know, for as explosive as he is, and he's supposed to be the home run hitter, and he is hitting some big runs. Um, and if you think about that, that's every every carry that goes over 15 yards. So he's really all or nothing. Like, he's not hitting a lot of the in-between runs either. He's either just having mm-hmm. a one- or a two-yard gain, or he hits you a really big one. Because otherwise, his breakaway attempts – should be more luck given the big plays we saw from him last year. Like you would expect him to be up more like in the 5%, five and a half percent range um, for carries over 15 yards. Now the, the thing that rolls in, like, so we know what these two coaches have done in the past. We saw Miles Sanders role get reduced in that way last year under the previous coaching staff. And then this year in June in OTAs, you have the running back coach, um, Jamel Singleton. He comes in and he says, you know, when they, the reporters were asking him, like, how are, how are they going to use the backs? And he said, well, it all depends on your room. He says, there's very specific skill sets you need in your room. First, you need, first, you need a first and a second down runner. That's the guy with the really elite ability. Who's he talking about? Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Then you need a guy that can pass protect on third down and be short yardage. Oh, listen to this guy talking about something that, um, what do we talk about? Long down and distance, short down and distance. Like, Jim, dude, Singleton is speaking like, like, my data language. Like, I love this guy, right? It's carry so on says, Johnson and, yeah, and Jordan. Exactly. Uh, could be carry on Johnson. That's a guy that's just, you know, he's not going to be as, in as many pass routes, but he's got to protect the quarterback. And then you need that back that can run routes and you can put him out there when you run empty, he's a mismatch against linebacker. It's really a combination. I think of the days of he's in every down back. That's a little skewed these days because of, you know, the way the game is played now. And so a lot of things to me, when I add up all of the, data points. And this is not perfect. All we can do is go with the data points we have. Miles Sanders' role was reduced in this capacity last year. 
we've got two coaches that are willing to use a second back, um, especially, you know, if they think it's one that's got the talent. Naheem Hines has a special talent in that way. Austin Eckler is special in that way. So let's not get confused and think, oh, well, they're just going to do it with any back. But we'll get to that part here in a second. Then we have this coach coming out, the running back coach, and kind of confirming all of this for us. So now we've got these three different data points, and then they draft Kenneth Gainwell, and they already have Boston Scott. They add Carrion Johnson, and I think what you think. If Carrion's there, he's likely really Miles Sanders' handcuff, and he's the long down and distance back. Maybe get some of the short down and distance too. We'll see. I think Gainwell or Boston Scott is the two-minute back. And so I think what this leaves Miles Sanders in is a first and second down back and a closing out the game back, which if the offense is running well, could be okay for where you're getting him in the fourth or fifth round, right? We've already talked about Josh Jacobs. I think Miles Sanders is in a similar situation to Josh Jacobs. Um, So the way I look at Miles Sanders um, is I would still be willing to take him over Josh Jacobs in the fourth round. And here's why, because I still think there's a chance Drake that he could be the every, the every down back. Right. He can fill Josh Jacobs. We, Josh Jacobs. We know they're not going to let him be. He could, Josh Jacobs could be Josh Jacobs. I'll just tell you this right now. He's a, he's a far better player than Miles Sanders. Josh Jacobs is a better running back than Miles Sanders. Is not probably not close. He's he, he could be and he could be fine as a receiving bat, but it doesn't that doesn't matter. His coach doesn't care. His coach has said, no, you're not going to be that. And we've known that for you know two years now. We, we steered people away from Josh Jacobs last year. Miles Sanders does still have a chance. So even despite the four things that I just laid out, there is a chance he's the every down back. Right. Because when they originally drafted him, they did think of him as an every down back. So that's what you're placing your chip on. I do not. I'm not drafting Miles Sanders in the second round. I'm probably I'm willing. I'll take some swings on Sanders in the late third. Um, you know, if it depending again, depending on roster construction. But I really I feel pretty good about him. You know, in the fourth round, I'm I'm drafting Miles Sanders over Javonta Williams. I'll promise you that. Like, there's no way I'm taking Javonta Williams over Miles Sanders. Um, so that that's my spiel on Sanders Drake. So right now I've got him at 52 and a half percent of the carries. That's 268. I've got him at 1140 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. 33 receptions on 43 targets, 260 yards receiving and two receiving touchdowns. So that's 232 fantasy points and a PPR, 216 and a half and 199 in a non-PPR standard league. Is anybody playing on those anymore? I think so. Give me that PPR number again. I want to see where he would have came out last year. You can't really grade it again. You can't really grade it against last year because so last right. year he would have been two eighteen in a sixteen game season. That's the number you got to look. Okay, at. so two eighteen would have made him RB ten. That's what Kareem Hunt did last year. You're telling me Miles Sanders can't be Kareem Hunt, no, the can't. actual lead back on a team. He's got to stay healthy. Got to have that line healthy. Let's go over to the wide receivers. And tight end, because I know we're people are going to jump off a bridge here. We're talking so long about the Eagles. Um, I really like Devonta Smith. I think he's going to be the lead wide receiver on this team. I think people are sleeping on Jalen Rager. Uh, he could have a good year. People forget he was a first-round pick. And let's also not forget about one Travis Fulgham. If you're in a deep bench league, right, and you need a late-round flyer, let's not forget the Eagles – and I believe this wholeheartedly, will likely get rid of Zach Ertz. That means you're not going to see as much 12 personnel. 
That means you're going to have three receivers on the field in 11. One of those three is going to be Travis Fulgham because they need an X receiver, somebody with some size. All three of those guys can play any position. But if he's going to play the boundary X, he's got size. And remember last year for about a four-week stretch, he led the NFL in receiving. So I just put it in the back of your head. Maybe Travis Fulgham. Uh, on the, the last pick in your draft. And, and if the Eagles have to throw a ton, he could be something. But what do you got on the Birds wideouts? Yeah, I have this as a pretty balanced attack. So I've got 21% of the targets to Devonta Smith. You know, he is a guy that and, – and that's that's a decent number for a rookie. I've got – I I have him and T. Higgins pretty close. Um, you know, I think Devonta Smith is a guy I'm drafting, though, because I get him. I don't have to – sorry, I have not T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase – so I can draft, you know, Devonta Smith, you know, after where Jamar Chase is going. So I like the price on Devonta Smith. So um, I've got him at 21% of the targets. It's 114, 66 receptions. So the catch rates get hurt, right, because of Jalen Hurts. So the catch rates get knocked down versus what you would see with Burrow, with Chase. But still, I've got him at 66 receptions, 850 yards receiving Drake, and that's six receiving touchdowns, 187 and a PPR uh, 155 and a half, 122 and a non. I have the second target on the team being Dallas Goddard at 18% of the targets. His catch rate will be higher, working a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, but they do use him down the seam. He does take some big hits on throws over the middle. Um, he also takes some big hits hanging out in bars in San Diego. Um, oh, blow, blow. <laughs> 98 targets, uh, 66 receptions. 11 yards per catch, um, 726 yards receiving, six receiving touchdowns. That's 208 in the tight end premium. So that's one and a half points per reception. 190, uh, sorry, one, I lost my spot, 175 and a PPR, 142 and a half and 109 and a non. And then I have Jalen Rager, the guy, to your point, I think everyone is sleeping on right at 17 and a half percent of the targets. That's 55 receptions, 670 yards. Five and a half touchdowns. Jalen Rager is my most owned player in best ball right now. Uh, and for a simple reason, what you just said, he's a first round pick last year and people have already forgotten. Uh, I agree with you on Travis Fulgham. He could be part of the offense. I think you're going to see 11 personnel is going to be the number one thing they use as far as personnel grouping, which is three wide receivers. So I think you're going to see all of them on the field plenty. I still think there's a chance that Jalen Rager is on the field in 12 personnel and Fulgham leaves the field. I think there's a chance that it's Rager kicking inside to the slot when they go to 11. That's something TBD. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be looking to you for your training camp reporting skills on that. They one say to see. that with these three guys and really how Sirianni runs it is they don't necessarily say X, Y, and Z. They, they have receivers that can just play anywhere in space and they're not going to pigeonhole them into one spot. So, but again, well, they say that, but and then but, yeah, they got to line up past, somewhere. Right. Yeah. They say that, but there are certain people that leave the field, like when they go to 12 or when they mm-hmm. go to 21. Um, but to your point, like Sirianni, like has rotated guys, you know, it's not like what you see with the Ravens, but you know, there's a decent rotation. I mean, if you look at his offenses over the last few years now, uh, last two years, so Hilton, sorry, last three years, 21%, you know, is the leading target share. And I gave that to Devonta Smith. And that's because I also think Devonta, Devonta Smith's, you know, really going to, he's a good receiver. So There's no one to rotate. Um, Everyone else sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, I got it pretty evenly <laughs> spread out though. I mean, Jalen Rager, man, you can get him in the 14th round of your fantasy oh, draft. Steel. So, I mean, 
I'm going to take him. And at that point, like it's an easy cut if he sucks, you know, <laughs> I mean, great. Two weeks in, you don't like him. Whatever you got to deal with on your team, you cut Jalen Rager. But like, I, I like owning, you know, guys that were a first round pick the year before that dealt with some injuries. We don't know. Jalen Rager could be really good. Yeah. I think it's within the range of outcomes that he leads the team in targets. Like it could happen. So absolutely. Let's move along here and go to Seattle where last year the Seahawks promised to let Russ cook for a minute. They kind of did through week five. Seattle was top five in passing yards and led the NFL in passing touchdowns. They finished the year 13th in passing yards, 18th in attempts. Now, this is a team, as we know, that wants to run the ball. They have a new offensive coordinator because Pete Carroll just wants to pound that rock, but we'll see what happens there. Russ Wilson is hashtag good. Last year, the seventh highest NFL passer rating and is just a damn good player surrounded by other damn good players. So let's hear, Dwayne, about this new offensive coordinator, Mr. Waldron, and what you think is going to happen here with DK, with Lockett. We've got Gerald Everett up there. They have Chris Carson back healthy. Dwayne Eskridge gets drafted maybe to play in the slot a little bit. So a lot of exciting big fantasy pieces in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, man, this is – I know we're taking we, – we take time anyway, but we're only hitting three teams tonight. We're already over an hour. but It's insane. Have, we were like, oh, this is going to be a 45-minute show. But we knew this. That I told you in the text. They all changed coordinators. When that yeah. happens, like, look, this is what our show does. We 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 go deep into some of the stuff around the coordinator changes. Pack and, a lunch. You know, what, yeah, what we think, you know, how it's going to impact the team. Like, I'm so stoked about this. Um, and I think people are misreading, right? What they see is, oh, when you look at Schottenheimer and you look at Pete Carroll, and they're like, they have philosophical differences. And, and they did. But people think that immediately means, well, okay, here we go. Back to just, you know, pounding the run game. And I, I kind of thought the same thing, Drake, until I really dug into this. Mm-hmm. And as I started to look at it, like Shane Waldron is really, uh, well, here, number two, philosophical differences could also be the way that you're designing your, your you know, the majority of your plays, right? So the Seahawks started off red hot. Then teams started leaving two safeties deep on them all the time. And they didn't adapt. They didn't really change their game. And you heard Tyler Lockett talk about it. You heard DK Metcalf. And they all and they all liked Schottenheimer, a guy that we all thought at one point could just, you know, never get out of his own way and throw the football. Apparently, all offensive coordinators really did really do want to pass the football. They just get stuck under um, defensive coordinated, defensive coordinator head coaches like Pete Carroll. <clears throat> but when I look at it, they probably won't be, you know, pass heavy. But I think what you're gonna see is one, the pace is going to be faster because Shane Waldron comes from where? The Rams. And if you look at the Rams and what they've done, you know, over the last few years, so last year, 68 plays a game under McVay. Um, It was 63.1 last year under Schottenheimer. The year before under McVay, 66 plays per game. Um, And that's excluding overtime. That's just in normal four quarters of play. So you're going to see an offense that's going to run more plays. And that's what that's what, when you read the quotes and you really dig in, that's what Russ Wilson is so excited about. So guess what this also does? What kind of, if you had to name Drake, you know, you're playing Madden, you sit okay. down and you're going to pick your playbook and it's the Rams. Is it going to be, what's it going to be described as? Is it going to be run heavy, run balance, pass balance, pass heavy? What is it? 
I'm going to say if I'm the Rams, the Rams run a ton, especially in the red zone. But I, I think it's going to be a little – I'm going to say it skews more pass heavy. Yeah, it's going to be a run balance offense. But here's the deal. So what that is going to mean, it's it, it's going to be around you know 55-45 passing attempts to rushing attempts. So when I look at it from a drop back standpoint, 59% to 41. So a drop back to pass 59% of the time. Again, some of those turn into sacks, some of those turn into – um, scrambles. When you break it down though and say, okay, just actual attempts, 53% and 47 is where I have them. But so people, you're like, oh man, that sucks. That's really going to hurt DK Metcalf. That's really going to hurt uh, Tyler Lockett. But when you get the pace to go as much faster as it's probably going to go, which is what Russ Wilson's so excited about. And now you have an offense that is going to give Russ looks off of play action, um, lots of motion, lots of shifting, all the easy things that Russ hasn't always had at his disposal that these other coordinators are using to make lesser quarterbacks look good. And Stafford's going to get the same thing. We talked about this with the Rams. Russ and Stafford are going to get more of that. Now, Russ used to get a lot of that early on in his career uh, way back in the day um, with Daryl Bevel. Um, and then, or was that Greg Ro- No, Was it Bevel or Roman? Yeah, as it was. I think it was Bevel. It was Bevel back then. But um yeah. That all went away, and but now he's going to get those things back. There's going to be a lot more play action. So I think Russ's efficiency has a chance to stay like hyper on fire. They're not just going to be set, be able to sit back in, in two deep looks. There's going to be a lot of layers to the field. There's going to be a balance with the running game. So Pete Carroll's going to be happy because it's going to be you know a run balance offense. But Russ and the receivers are all going to be happy because the pace is going to be so high. Their catches are not going to go down from last year. So it's a perfect fit for everybody. Like the more I studied this and the more that I looked at it, like I was like, wow, like this really is like perfect for what they want to do. It's going to be that philosophical match. And and so you're going to have Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson most likely happy if Shane Waldron can pull off, you know, what it is that he wants to do. This offensive line looks pretty good, Drake. You know, this is an offensive line that, you know, we've seen in the past be pretty terrible. You got Dwayne Brown at left tackle, graded fifth out of 79 tackles by Pro Football Focus. Damian Lewis at center, 13 out of 80. You know, he was a rookie last year. Um, you get Gabe Jackson at right guard, right tackle, Brandon Shell. He's more of a run blocker than a pass blocker, but he's okay. I mean, compared to some of the same things we've seen Russ behind uh, historically, like that feels good. Russ, Russell Wilson's being drafted too late. He should be getting drafted um, up closer to uh, Kyler, up closer to Josh Allen. Um, he, he's, he's for sure going too late. I've got him at 380 fantasy points in 17 games. I've got him at 4,600 yards passing, 37 touchdowns. Wow. Um, going to everything else. I got him, uh, I got him at 440 yards rushing total. Um, that's his scrambles and his design runs added together. I've only got him at two rushing touchdowns, um, cause he doesn't get a ton of those. He's only had like, I think one design rushing touchdown from inside, you know, the five, like, well, we know he's going like, to scramble. I mean, he, he had, he was tied with Lamar Jackson. I believe the stat was for second most scrambles in the league. And then you add, you know, that they do add Eskridge. And I know a lot, a lot of people, there's a lot of jokes about how old he is, but it's another field stretcher. And so think about the Rams offense. Lockett's going to work inside. He's going to work underneath Andy. Then you've got um, Eskridge who could stretch things out. Like you said, he can also play inside. We got, we know what DK Metcalf is. And you add who? Gerald Everett from where? The Rams. I love Gerald Everett this year. Yeah, and I love Chris Carson this year. Like this offense is is um I think I think Russell Wilson and 
Eskridge, Gerald Everett, and Chris Carson are the and and Lockett are all underpriced. I think Metcalf's priced in. Like you're paying a you're playing you're paying a late second or an early yeah. third to get Metcalf. So it's 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 priced in. You know Tyler Lockett, man, in the in the in the fourth round, he he and Robert Woods are money all day long in the fourth round in a PPR half PPR league. Like th- those are just auto picks. I mean these guys are. They're so safe, and they still give you upside. They give you a floor. They can give you the big games you need. I know people – you know how people do, right? Well, if you take away these three games from Tyler – this is going to be a completely different offense. I know Tyler Lockett was not dependable on a week-to-week basis last year, mm-hmm. but he was still a great receiver. They just re-upped him. He's getting plenty of money. Um, he's got Metcalf on the other side, and he gets the friendly matchups in the slot. I do expect his yards per catch to come down some because I think he'll work underneath – a little bit more um, because they're going to take advantage early in the season. If these, if these teams are going to stay in these two high looks, that's the Cooper cup game and they'll let Lockett work underneath. So right now I've got just to hit those receivers really quick. I've got DK Metcalf at 137 targets, 89 receptions, 1,339 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. That's 287 points. I've got Tyler Lockett at 132 targets, 96 receptions and 1,105 yards and nine receiving touchdowns. That's 265 Point. So you're getting Tyler Lockett um, a round and a half to two rounds later than DK Metcalf, and I got him 20 points apart. So now I, I agree that Metcalf's ceiling is big, but people act like Lockett doesn't have a ceiling. He mm-hmm. does. If Russ goes off and this offense is, is really cooking, and if all of a sudden they get behind more, which is likely, you know, with their defense, like early in games, we could see – more passing than what I've given them, Drake. They could end up more like a 55-45, a 56-44. If you change those things, these two guys both they they just continually, you know, start to move up. So Russ Wilson being drafted way too late. Um, Dwayne Eskridge should be being taken late in best balls. I've got him at 12% of the targets. I've got him at 640 yards and four touchdowns. And then I've got Gerald Everett at 80 targets, 60 receptions, 600 yards, uh, five touchdowns. Like this, these guys are all under price after Metcalf. Chris Carson, 58.5% of the team attempts. I've only got him at 9% of the targets, um, you know, just because uh, I think they will work in DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. If Rashad Penny gets healthy, I think they're going to work those guys in on the passing game. That did happen to last year um, with Carson. Um, When I went back and really looked at it, I was expecting to see, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I looked at the data all last year, but for whatever reason in my mind, I had it that he was really getting to be an every down back. Now he does have a new coordinator. Um, so that, that could change things, but I think they want to give him a little bit of a rest. So whenever I went back and looked, um, he had 59% of the attempts in healthy games, but he wasn't on the field for the two minute or four minute offense. He just was not used. He still averaged though, 47% uh, routes per drop back in a game. So right around 50%. Um, and at the end of the season, at the very last game, they did use him in long down and distance at 83%. Um, but Hyde took a lot of that. Uh, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, they all took the two-minute and long down distance work. They, they were pretty much trying to mix those, those guys in more. Now, despite all that, Carson did still average 13% of targets in his healthy games. Um, so 69% of the snaps inside the five went healthy, 50, 58% of the attempts inside the five when healthy, he's a yard, you know, after the catch kind of uh, yards after the uh, contact kind of back 3.2, 3.6, 3.4 over the last uh, three years. 
Um, his breakaway attempts are solid. They're better than Miles Sanders, 4.3%, 5%, 6.9%. Um, so touchdowns, you know, are not going to be an issue in this offense. It's going to be moving and he's going to get plenty of looks down inside the fives. So Chris Carson, man, uh, all day long in the fourth round. Um, and I like Chris Carson in the third round. Uh, he is a violent runner. There is a chance for injury. That's the thing you're going to mm-hmm. have to deal with Chris Carson. So if, if you decide that Chris Carson is not for you because of that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault you, but if he does play 16 games or he plays 14 games, it's going to be really good. <laughs> this offense is way, this offense is, is, is overall underrated. Like I said, behind DK Metcalf and like, I'm, I'm ecstatic about what I think this offense could do. Yeah, Chris Carson's an interesting guy. There's a lot of folks who are weighing in on him, some people who won't touch him. You know, he missed weeks 8 through 11 last year. And then really, if you want to look at his rushing, he only had three games over 70 yards rushing. I want to see a little more in the passing game from him because he's a good receiver. Uh, I've had him on some teams in years past, very capable out of the backfield, uh, could add a lot in a PPR league. So hopefully with this new offense – if he can get some of that role, boy, that then we're really cooking because he, you know, he's got hands. He, he's not some like, you know, uh, Ironhead Hayward, you know, the run your head into a brick wall kind of guy. So, uh, let's see. Anything else we got to touch on with the Seahawks? Uh, no, man. Draft them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I, and I own a little bit less of Metcalf, not because I don't like him, just because I mix. I mix him up with some of the other receivers that go in that range, like Jefferson and AJ Brown. Like I, I like mixing those other guys in because I like them too. I they all have some big upside for efficiency seasons, but man, Carson Lockett going too late, and then you know the 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 darts that you can throw at Gerald Everett, the darts that you can throw at Eskridge. It, it's just they're they're going too late, man. Yeah. So and Russell Wilson's going too late too. Like like the Russell Wilson. Uh, is probably that's the biggest one. Like he he is really being taken too late. Yeah, he's going too late, and Dwayne's going to the beach. That's, that's what right. we're up to uh, in the next week here. So, folks, head over to pff.com, sign up, get the fantasy football uh, draft preview. Use our promo code Hustle if you need the draft board for your home league with your pals. Draftwithredzone.com. Our promo code there is slightly different. It's FF Hustle. So use that. Uh, of course, go over to Viridian Global. The uh, pin tweet at FF Hustle on Twitter is Viridian Global, and you can get a Fantasy Football Hustle t-shirt, hoodie, zip-up, whatever you want. Look cool at your draft, supporting the cause. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for hanging out. Dwayne, go get drunk on a beach. You deserve it, my friend, because when you come back, we're never going to stop hustling. Take it easy, guys. This has been the Fantasy Football Hustle. We're back next week with all you need for waiver wire, trades, roster management, and more. Until then, never get out hustled.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 